Welcome to the Emerging Women Podcast, where we hear from brilliant women leaders creating big change in the world. I'm Chantal Pirat, your host, and today's guest is Kate Montana, who loves to refer to herself in the third person, as you'll see, because she's all about exploring the E-words, enlightenment, ego, and what it means to be a woman in a skin suit searching for transpersonal consciousness. You're going to love this conversation if, like me, you love Eckhart Tolle, want to be one with the universe, but have kids or a business and just can't sit on a bench or in a cave for months at a time trying to let your human self dissolve completely into the ethers. There's a middle ground, says Kate, author of The E-Word. She's here to share what she's learned after years of meditation and study and gives us techniques, tips, and insights into moving beyond our stories and opening up to the truth of who we really are. This episode is about to get real about awakening, self-improvement, and the expanded ego. It's all a part of the Emerging Women ethos, so let's dive in and go deep. Welcome to the E-Word with Kate Montana. Hello and welcome, Kate Montana. How are you? Wonderful, Chantal. It's so great to be on the show. Yes, I'm excited to have you and talking about the E-word, which you make sound in your book called the E-word, almost as sexy as the L-word, which is pretty sexy. <laughs> so thank you for writing this fabulous book with lots of humor. Uh, well, you know, I didn't have much choice in the writing of it, Chantal. I, I tried to dodge doing it for about eight years, and finally Spirit just plonked me down in front of the computer and wouldn't let me up. <laughs> it was like, you will write what you know about the ego and enlightenment. Get on with it, girl. So I was like, well, and this was the result. <laughs> I, I love it. Ego, enlightenment, and other essentials. These are essentials. Yes. You know, ego's a big topic. And I know you have a little bit of this in your intro, but the fact that you make it so accessible is remarkable. And, and it makes it less daunting. I really appreciate your perspective on that. Thank you. I've, I've had a lot of practice in between. Well, as I wrote about in the book, when in, in uh, 1997, I basically after what, 15, 17 years of really striving for enlightenment, doing the 24-7 meditation route, designing my entire life around my meditation and my spiritual practices so that I could attain enlightenment. And, you know, finally after 15, 16 years of doing that, I just hit the wall. Mm -hmm. And I gave up, and that was when the ego just... <laughs> dualistic reality just fell away. Kate Montana fell away and was totally exposed for the illusion eh, of identity that she is. And then, of course, I came back and then I spent another 15 years going in between the total egoic, dualistic mindset and perspective and non-dual consciousness, unity consciousness. So I I've had a lot of uh, foot traffic between the between the two worlds, so I guess that's why it became so accessible because I really beat the path <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> well, let's talk about this a little bit because I, I do want to go back to that experience that you had sure. in your yard where you 
first touched into what it meant to be in that non-dual state. And this was after how many years of meditation already? Oh, okay. So that was uh, 2007. So that was 25, 26 years of meditation. Okay. So what happened in the yard was the first time that the whole non-dual reality became accessible with my eyes open. Mm-hmm. For, a, for 10 years prior to that, I would fall into non-dual consciousness, awakened <laughs> unity consciousness, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I dare, I kind of like dodging the whole enlightened state um, uh, <laughs> wording, but because the E word always makes me uncomfortable, which is why I didn't want to, I never wanted to set myself up as any sort of um, enlightened person who, who could really talk about this. But as I said, uh, uh, spirit finally had, had its way with me. So it, it had been like 10 years wrestling between what I called the, the two realities, the walking, talking, chewing gum, Kate Montana, look at me and all my issues and my problems and, and, you know, and my, my hopes and dreams, Kate Montana writer. And then I am. You know, the, the, the complete, just simple presence and awareness of infinite life. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there, was no, there was no bringing the two together. And that's what pissed me off, Chantal, is because as a spiritual person, I had been trained to expect that I could attain enlightenment. Kate Montana could attain the enlightened state. And when the enlightened state showed up in meditation, morning after morning after morning, it became excruciatingly obvious that (laughs) enlightenment is the absence of Kate Montana altogether. So there was no Kate Montana becoming enlightened. And it just really peeved me because it was like, oh my God, I wanted to be enlightened. I wanted to be liberated. And, you know, what do you do when you realize that when you come back and you are yourself and can realize anything like this, it's like, oh, my God, Um, liberation happens without me. Bliss happens without Kate. So I I wrestled with these two, you know, the non-dual and the dualistic state of consciousness for 10 years. And then finally, when I write about this in the book, the big earth-shattering event was when that happened when the non-dual state just continued when I opened my eyes from meditation and there was still no Kate Montana around. You know, I certainly had access to my memories and, you know, it wasn't like, duh, I don't know who I am. It was just like, yeah, but it was very, ultimately, it was completely clear that that's not who I really was. And so that three-day period of time when, you know, I was just at home, I was in my garden, I, I, I don't even know what I did those three days, Chantal, I simply lived as presence, as I am, source intelligence, infinite and eternal. And then after three days, the, as I describe in the book, and it was very disconcerting, the, the neurological network, the firing patterns in the brain that lock in identity, in other words, the pattern of Kate Montana, Mm -hmm. started showing back up and started to be the the 
pattern through which I began to perceive life again. And over the space of the next several weeks, I moved fully back into dualistic, hi, I'm Kate Montana, writer, woman, you know, liberated female, blah, blah, whatever I wanted to identify myself as. I moved fully back from non-dualistic reality to the dualistic, you know, human experience. And so... And that was painful. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, how hard was that? Painful in that you longed to stay in the other state or painful yep. that you lost your sort of filter and thick skin to move through the, the gross reality? It, ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, mostly the former and a little bit of the latter, now that you mention it. Um, it was painful being me again. It was painful being reduced to a perspective that still saw limitation, embraced limitation. I mean, was boundaried by my body and my mental capacity and everything that I identified with, you know, my bills. I, I still had, you know, money issues and, and I had, was actually in a relationship that was breaking up at the time. So my human existence was rather precarious in those, in those days. And, and it, was it was excruciating being me again. And, and what, was, but what made me laugh was, you know, I was like, oh, my God, there was nothing I could do to regain, to reattain that enlightened state. Because the very fact that I, Kate Montana, tried to work it and wanted to attain it and would struggle, oh, I'll go meditate maybe 10 hours today or do whatever. And it, it was that very structure of me still being me, wanting to not be me, that guaranteed and locked me into the continuing state of being me. And <laughs> It's 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 difficult to describe and and it was very painful because you know when you re when you finally come mm -hmm. when it becomes completely a hundred thousand percent obvious that you're not who you think you are you never were never will be and that the world ultimately is an illusion N not that it doesn't exist you know for a long time I used to make the mistake of thinking in spiritual terms as oh well this is all an illusion so you know it doesn't matter if the world goes to hell and the environment falls apart and Donald Trump gets elected it's all an illusion <laughs> it's not an illusion in the respect that is not occurring the illusion is that we are separate from life and from one another it is literally the dualistic framework of, of seeing ourselves as an individual and isolated in our skin suit, you know, as human beings, and the perspective that the body gives us that is the lie, that is the illusion. Mm. So, yeah, so knowing all that and then being back in my humanity again, it was, it's been, well, and, and then it was another, let me see, that was 2007, it was 10 years before now and eight years before I wrote the E-word. And, you know, it, and actually it wasn't until I started writing the book, Chantal, that, that this journey really became clear and that I finally discovered, my God, a middle ground that I had not recognized before. It had always been either I'm human or there's enlightenment, either duality 
or non-duality. And liberation was non-duality, and entrapment and pain and suffering was, was my duality. Mm-hmm. So it was either human or non-human, human or non-human, black or white. Mm-hmm. And I never saw that there was actually a freaking middle ground. Mm-hmm. until I wrote the book and then my um, psychology background, I've got a master's degree in humanistic psychology, all of a sudden it was just like I was at my computer one day and it was like, pop, oh my God, there's such a thing called transpersonal consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it, it is the state of mind where we're still our human selves, we're still in the framework of duality, but we begin to expand the ego, not Dissolve it, contract it, kill it, stomp it to death, but actually expand it, not inflate it, you know, like, oh, wow, look at me and I'm so great and la-di-da. But if we start to thin the boundaries and expand the ego to be more inclusive rather than exclusive, you know, me here, you over there, Mm -hmm. me, you, us, them, Mm -hmm. that kind of dualistic and start to fuzz the boundaries of the dualistic perspective, we can actually train our brains to move into a more illuminated, less defined, boundary limited consciousness. And I was like, oh my God, this is the key. We don't have to destroy ourselves. We don't have to destroy the ego because ultimately, frankly, that's just damn impossible. But we can expand our perception of who we think we are, become more inclusive, and that's where true liberation, joy and abundance and connection and security and and creativity in this amazing state that we all long for and hunger for can actually come to fruition. So that was the huge breakthrough, and I guess that's really the reason Spirit plonked me down and said, damn it, write this, because it was through the writing that I finally came to the, mid- the, the, the fact that there is a middle ground of consciousness that we can actually create and step into. And that was like, wow. Yeah, and I think that that is what people, are, I think, are, at least that's what I'm coveting, rather than, and I love Eckhart Tolle's work, and have read it and it's been inspiring and I have wanted those states of consciousness um, that he talks about when he sits, you know, when he first got enlightened, he sat on a bench for like months, Yep. But you know, had your experience almost to a T and yet, you know, he's not somebody that I aspire to be like, I mean, he's not, <laughs> you know, I've got kids, I'm running a business, we've got, we're in a community here, there's a lot going on and it requires for me to be in the world. I can't sit on a bench for four months Mm -hmm. and stare into space and just, you know, so especially with women stepping more into spaces as spiritual teachers, we're seeing more of a feminine perspective on spirituality. I also think consciousness itself, which on one hand is completely non-dual, right? But on the other hand, in its expression has a masculine and feminine side um, is is becoming more feminine so what you're talking about here is experiencing enlightenment and also being a human being in your body is something i think women you know really want to know about because i don't want to sit in a cave and meditate three hours or four hours or five hours or ten hours a day i can't Mm -hmm. do it right Um, you know so 99.9% of humanity can't and doesn't even want to. And 
And, you know, the thing of it is, is, is thank God we don't really need to. But we've been convinced that, this, that it's this all or nothing. I have to dissolve the ego. I have to become non-dual. I have to have no thought. Really? No thought? Give me a break. That's not going to happen this lifetime. I, and it's just like, do I want to become a vegetable with no thought? No. Well, how was it the, when you were in, the, in your yard there? How was that? You, you didn't have was, any thought. Very little, very little, almost none. Right? There was simply presence and awareness and of all existence. And it, the mind ultimately, the personality, the ego, the structure of the self is a tool. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. And it's not that you can't be in it, – it's – sorry. It, it, language is so, is so poor to try to communicate right. this. The enlightened state doesn't mean that you can't be effective in the world because you can pick up the tool of the ego and you can pick up the tool of the mind and use it productively to teach, to help uplift the rest in this dream of separation that is so bloody painful. Yeah. Or you can just walk away and just dissolve into pure consciousness. It's, it's just choice at that moment. And... The trick is, you know, that people say, oh, my God, I want non-dual reality. Oh, my God, I want to be enlightened. Oh, my God, yes, death of the ego. Yes, I want that. I want that. And it's just like, you know, if they really knew what they were talking about, they wouldn't say that. They really don't. We, I, Kate Montana, I want joy. I want to be liberated. I want to be free to be this beautiful human, female, gorgeous person, creative, have relationships, dance in the world. Um, do art, travel, etc. I don't, you know, I thought I wanted enlightenment. <laughs> and then when the, you know, and it wasn't even, you know, I can't even say it was the experience of enlightenment. You know, if anybody ever says, oh, I've had plenty of enlightenment experiences, they really haven't got it. Because enlightenment isn't an experience. <laughs> because an experience is something that I have. And enlightenment is the state of no I. So there's no experience going on. There is just life. Yeah. But, you know, it, so, 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 God, one of the reasons I wanted to write the book, Chantal, was I wanted to get people off the damn hook with this enlightenment gig. Because it's genuinely not what we want. 99.9% .9 of us. Right. We want to be happy, extraordinary, creative fulfilled human beings to the richest way we can and create heaven on earth mm -hmm. yeah so so yeah. the middle ground oh my god you know that that whole middle path i thought was really just an analogy with the buddha with just like a metaphor but there really is a middle path yeah. and enlightenment what i'm discovering is enlightenment simply takes care of itself enlightenment is a state of consciousness that is a natural progression from a life well-lived and richly lived. Because the more we expand our sense of self, the more we expand the ego to be more inclusive, and I begin to really register on a perceptual level that you and I really, there is no distance between us, and you really are me, and I and the, and the earth and I are one. When, when we move into that inclusive perspective, then the pain and the suffering and the anger and the fear, that, it, that just becomes a thing of the past. And, and so I'm, I've, I've finally realized that 
this whole journey from the ego and dualistic awareness to the non-dual state of liberated enlightenment, it is a progression that just happens naturally. As we expand in our boundaries, and the boundaries thin eventually to non-existence. So I, 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 I've begun to realize that enlightenment is just happens of its own accord. <laughs> okay, so Natural. this I like. This I like. <laughs> um, so what I'm hearing is that through perspective and a continuous effort of recognizing that we are all connected, and again, I'm kind of using my mind for this, right? I'm using my mind to have that perspective. I'm reminding myself. So I'm like flexing my neurons to have the memory to, yeah, yeah, we're all connected. But I've still not had the experience that you have had, that Eckhart Tolle has had, that other great teachers have had of this non-dual being I am state, which I've projected as being a blissful and uplifting and joyful state. And of course, that's not what you're saying. Even just saying a state is not what it is, but I'm trying my best. But um, <laughs> that, that somehow will carry me through. The fact that I have the memory of that in my soul, it will carry me through and help me to, you know, deal with all the challenges and the suffering in the world. But until you've had that experience, are you saying that like it'll just happen to me naturally as I continue just to use my mind to return to the perspective or everyone's going to have this experience. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, cause I want that. I want it so bad. I want it so bad. I can't even tell you. Um, but you know, it's not running my life. Yeah, I, I totally understand. And I can't say for you or for anyone what your journey will be and what it will include. I think that the more we can get off the hobby horse of expectation and the striving, we we struggle so hard in our lives to not be ourselves. And so the trick is to find our true being. Mm -hmm. And, And of course, meditation, Vipassana, all of these are amazing tools. And, you know, I, I can step you through, you know, I do this in the book. There's there's a really brief exercise that we can do the, that I can talk about right now just to give people a hint of actually how simple, how simple it. it is. To, Let's right, do it. So, I'm ready. All right. So, yeah. Okay. So we've been trained that we have to struggle and learn and do all these things and devices to all of a sudden finally have this enlightened state so but then we've also been told that we are already it Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. okay so if I step you through I'm going to step you through a brief process here and I'm going to say some statements and you repeat after me but your own experience for example I'm going to say I am Kate Montana I am a resident of Washington State. And so obviously when you repeat what I say, you will say, I am Chantal and I am a resident, etc. Okay? Okay. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Yep. I am Kate Montana. I am Chantal Purat. I'm a resident of Washington State. I'm a resident of Boulder, Colorado. I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a writer. I am a writer. I am a liberal. 
I am a liberal. I am a Leo. I am a Capricorn. I am. I am. I am. I am. There is, when we don't follow the statement I am with anything, a name, a gender, a location, a, a college degree, whatever, yeah. when we, all of those things are stories in our minds yeah. based in our human physical experience, right? Yeah. No, it, was, so, it felt big. It felt much it, bigger. It feels enormous. Yeah. So that one brief moment when you don't follow I am with anything, it, if it only lasts for half a heartbeat, there's a spaciousness and of emptiness that's yet very all that yet is very full. Mm-hmm. That's who we really are. And a, and accessing who we really are is that simple. Is that one heartbeat of emptiness there that yet is filled with life, all things, all potentials. That's who we really are. Uh-huh. And we have the story that overlays that. <laughs> yeah. That confuses us and misleads us and it's a great dance and it's a lot of fun so the trick is to begin to access that brief pause yeah that's who we really are so you you you've already you've had that experience even though it was just a heartbeat yeah you know what's interesting is that when we talk about being on the path to enlightenment mm-hmm. or the journey mm-hmm. of uncovering uncovering our true selves there's you know it takes years. There's a process. There's, I can't even tell you how much coaching and years of therapy and any, you know, modality out there. I think I've done meditation, contemplation, constellations, psychic readings, (laughs) astrology, Western astrology, Vedic astrology, on and on and on. And I'm wondering when we just did that exercise, none of that really matters. No. The ego loves the mind. The, the ego is a mental construct. The ego is the child of the mind, which is, and the mind is the child of the body. The body, when we come into these little bodies, as, as in, you know, we come out of the birth canal, and the very first thing that assaults us is our physicality. It's body, 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 you know, eyes, ears, nose, skin, oh my God. And the little baby screams and goes, what the hell is this? And so 11 million bits of sensory data a second assault that little baby's brain. Assault your brain right now, every second, 24-7, your entire life telling you one thing. I am physical. And the body, I can look at my hand and my arm and, you know, and there's a skin boundary. And I can tell the air, you know, there's a difference between me and the air or my blanket or the crib. You know, mommy's breast is outside of me. The milk I hunger for is outside of me. So the body tells me immediately, unconsciously, that I am separate. So those are the two messages, Chantal, that we get pressed to us 24-7 our entire freaking lives. I am physical. I am separate. 
Now, what comes out of that awareness of being separate is we begin to have experiences as separate beings. Mm -hmm. You know, I learn my name and I learn I'm a little girl and I go to school and I'm this and I'm that and and then life happens. And so, and it all happens, what else? Through the body. So the body is the is the birthplace of the mind. And the mind is what is the story of who we think we are. And underneath all of that is that simple moment, that simple presence that enlivens it all, that upon which everything is based and and is created out of that simple silence of I am the all-in-all presence. Mm-hmm. So it's this dance between it's a dance between that that beautiful presence and our story. Now the trick is to get a handle on really understanding that our story is just a story. Mm-hmm. And part of the story, you know, hell, the ego loves complication mm-hmm. because the more it can get meshed in isms and philosophies and religions and spiritual practices and and this and that and the other thing, oh man, the more the glue of the mind stays stuck together. So, you know, now you you can't just be I am and have that moment of freedom and liberation and intoxicating moment of emptiness and, and spaciousness. No, 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 no. I've got to complicate it. Well, you know, now I'm going to go meditate on that. And, you know, to do that, I've got to go to India. And now, oh, Jesus, it goes on and on and on. <laughs> well, what is the benefit then? I mean, what is, you're, of, you know, you're a psychologist to studying yeah. patterns and limiting beliefs that we've inherited through our, you know, socialization and our family. And do we just not do any of that? You know, I don't think it really matters. I think we should do whatever we're drawn to do. Yeah. You know, would I have come to any of this if I hadn't gone to school, gotten a master's degree in psychology, meditated my ass off for 15 years? Would any of this come? I have no idea. This was simply the path that I ambled and rambled upon that brought me to where I am today. Got you. And what you're saying now is that it's so simple. It's like within fingertips reach for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Not even as far away as your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know the old thought. It says, who I am is closer than my own breath. And it's the yeah. truth. Yeah. So, so the beauty is to begin to start. All right. So then how do we liberate ourselves? Well, yeah. we, we begin to stretch the boundaries of our perception so that I, I don't, I, Kate Montana, don't stop at my skin boundary and, and see myself over here and the rest of the world out there, which is a very scary perspective. You know, I've got to protect myself if I'm just me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so much of we see, so much of the drama that we see right now in our political situation in the United States, like, you know, we've got the biggest, fattest, bless his heart ego in the world as president of the United States. God bless Donald Trump. He's shining this amazing example of what it is to be an ignorant, no, unevolved ego that still is locked in the body and thinking that I am it. He is a very exclusive being. I'm over here. I'm boundaried. I have to protect myself. Hence walls, wars, weapons, tweets, and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have somebody like Bernie Sanders, who is a beautiful example of a more evolved ego who has definitely moved into transpersonal 
consciousness territory. Because, you know, you ask Bernie Sanders, well, congratulations for getting that legislation through. And, and he's the first person to say, oh, I didn't do it. We did it. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, would be the last thing that a very boundaried, structured, frightened ego would ever say. The ego always has to prove itself. Mm-hmm. But when we thin the boundaries and begin to have experiences, um, perceptual experiences of, you know, science, for God's sakes, you know, Science has now proven through quantum physics that, well, the world really isn't physical at all. There really is no boundary between my skin and and the pillow and my chair and my coffee cup. It's all just information and energy in a boundless sea of potential with no barriers and limits whatsoever. So now the trick becomes to, just what you said way earlier in the show, reminding yourself of the truth. Mm-hmm. That you are really not separate from the rest of the world or anybody else or your chair or your coffee mug. And one of the things that I do throughout the book is is I bring forward exercises, perceptual exor- exercises that people can use to begin to thin that that separate sense of separation and yeah. uh, and begin to hook up perceptually with the world. And the more we do that, the benefit is the less frightened we become, the less defensive we become. Because when I realize that you are me and I am you, then I don't have any defenses against you and I don't need any. But we've got to get to that state of of transpersonal, expanded perception where I become inclusive. You know, what what is it? Chief chief self. What we do to the earth, we do to ourselves. That Mm -hmm. mindset that the mystics have always told us is the truth and now quantum physics is telling us the truth. You know, this whole journey, Chantal, is, you know, first we've got to realize that what the ego is, understand it for the tool that it is, stop making it bad and wrong, stop trying to kill it, and use it appropriately for the tool it is. And keep expanding those boundaries into... um, Past the illusion, past the past the gates of separation, through various practices, and then yeah. then we see what happens. Yeah, I love you have so many practices, but let's stay on the benefit for yeah, just a okay. second because I want to flush that out a little bit. Okay, so fear goes away. We don't feel like we need to be defensive. You know, I mean, it, it's a little scary to think that you know. Let's use our our favorite scapegoat, Donald Trump. But uh-huh. oh, okay, we're we're both one. Like mm-hmm. because he doesn't have that realization, it's still scary mm-hmm. to me. Well, of course, right? I mean, this this world is not an illusion. It's really going on, and you know, and right. he in his fear could press the button and you know nuke the entire freaking world. Right? There's there there's there, I'm not saying that there's not a reason to be. <laughs> Oh, God. You know, the more the barrier thins, the less frightening it all becomes. Right. I've gotten to the place where Donald Trump, if the whole world goes up in a nuclear fireball, I'm not frightened of that anymore. You're good because you've, you've touched in to what the real to story the, what's is. what's really going on. Yeah. And I am eternal and I know it. I was never born. I, I'll never die. But by God, I was never even born, Chantal. Yeah. Interesting. That that was a a stunning realization. I was never even born. I am eternal. You are eternal. So, but you know, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's get practical. That's 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 nice and and great and maybe 
But, you know, let's get let's nail it right now. How do I not be afraid of Donald Trump? Well, one thing to realize is that Donald Trump and all of my fear really is in my mind. Is Donald Trump going to destroy the world? I don't know. Is it possible? Yeah, sure. But is he? Well, no, that's a story in my head. Well, he's going to do this and he's going to do that. Well, where is all that? That's in my head. Yes, it may happen. And there's a whole world I can get involved in to try to make sure that it doesn't happen. Yes. So that I don't stay in my ego, oh, I'm separate and he's separate and I'm afraid and he's afraid and oh shit, what's going to happen? I can go, wow, okay, take a deep breath. I know philosophically he and I are one, this world is one. I am going to do whatever it takes in my arena, whether it's to do you know, classes at schools, whether it's to march, whether it's to start an a, a NGO business, to empower women, to whatever it is that I can do to begin to live the philosophy that I am not separate and that we are all one, Mm -hmm. then that's going to be the steps that I can take. And the more action we can take, the less frightening it becomes. Because we become solid in our own, you know, our actions begin to match our philosophies. Uh You You wanted to talk about benefits. One of the benefits when we start to bridge beyond the ego is we become deeply more flexible in our Uh life. And one and one of the most amazing experiences I've had is was in the last year. Um, Kate Montana, I love talking about myself in third person. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Montana has terrible, crippling stage fright. I mean, you know, vomit in a trash can stage fright. Gotcha. And there was reasons for it. Kate Montana had three experiences. One, you know, she blew her first piano recital at age eight in front of 200 parents and kids. Horrifying. She blew a, 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 you know, a talk in front of a whole school body when she was in, in eighth grade and then, you know, blew something else on stage in a musical. I had plenty of reason to be afraid and not want to do any sort of public speaking. Well, eight months ago, I found myself on stage starting to talk about the E word, about the ego and enlightenment. And right before I went out on stage, I just wanted to die. I wanted to puke. I just want, it's like all of, it was just right there. And all of a sudden, Chantal, I took a page out of my own book and I went, wait a minute. Oh, hell, I'm not even Kate Montana. <laughs> right. That's Kate's issue. That's her, that is my story. That's her story over there. <gasps> Deep breath. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I tapped back into that simple presence of who I really am. Mm-hmm. And the story of Kate Montana just went bye-bye. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a story, and, it's, it, and I can access it, and I can choose whether to play out that drama or whether I can be who I really am and step out on stage and with no fear. And that moment, eight months ago, Chantal, I have never had stage fright since, not once. Wow. Wow. I'm going to do that one. Next time I've got to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's remarkable. A sense of detachment so you're not just being overrun by your... Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, here we go with our spiritual practices. You know, we say we want, oh, we must be detached. It's just like, well, if we're not given the information to really understand what we're trying to detach from, I'm not trying to detach from the world. I need to detach from my perception of separation. Right. As an individual ego, 
That's what we have to detach from. Kate Montana detaching from her need for money or her la 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 la. I'm screwed if I keep wanting to do Kate Montana and and improve that and detach being Kate Montana. I've got to go back to a more unlimited space and tap into what's really real. You know, that's why that's God, that's why so much of self-improvement, oh my God, that's why self-improvement doesn't ultimately work is because we're trying to improve an illusion. Hmm. <laughs> we're trying to improve the free, we're trying to improve the freaking ego instead of tapping into a different consciousness no matter how briefly and then begin to expand that 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 limited that limited self realizing what we're doing. Yeah. Rather than being locked into the identity of being Chantal or Kate or Harry or Sam. Now, you've talked about tapping into this, which I mm-hmm. I think it's interesting given the fact that you also worked on the What the Bleep movie and with that whole business. And you do have a chapter in here on the law of attraction. And I'm curious, as another benefit, are we in some way more in control of the outer life that we're creating when we are connected in this way? Well, you know, the blessing I would say is is that we're more out of control. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we're working for what the bleep, you know, I was at the vanguard of, of getting the whole um, law of attraction and personal manifestation thing out there. And the key word there is personal manifestation. I drove myself nuts with that whole gig for years. And what I finally realized is that the reason manifestation doesn't usually work or works only half-assed or, you know, pieces and part or takes freaking forever is because I'm coming at it as Kate Montana. You know, I'm supposed to do a storyboard. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do my visualizations and my breath work. And, blah, 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 blah. and the thing that I forgot was that my job, the Kate Montana job, the identity job, the brain mind job, is to simply come up with whatever it is that is desired. I want to move to Santa Fe, okay? So that's my current desire. I want to move to Santa Fe. How that's going to happen, I don't know. And I'm not trying to figure it out anymore. And it's not up to me to make it happen. Now, yes, I have to make the steps of calling a real estate agent. I have to make the steps of deciding to move and packing my bags and and my house and my furniture. I have to do the logistical stuff. But manifest what it is I really want, that's life's job. That's I am's job. And I think so much of of why personal manifestation has become so sticky Mm. and so difficult for people is we've gotten locked into this personal manifestation stuff. You know, oh, I'm going to manifest a free trip to Hawaii. Oh, look at me. I manifested. You know, it's so wrapped up in the ego anymore and what we think we can do and about personal empowerment. Mm -hmm. The ego is an illusion, ultimately. It's Mm -hmm. a story. It's words in our heads. It's based in the past, which doesn't exist anymore, Mm -hmm. and hopes of the future, which it hasn't arrived so yeah it's it so the the personal part is not what does the manifesting but it is the personal part you know it's my job to decide what the heck i want yeah does does that i mean it's yeah i mean i i guess part of me is also just holding out for (laughs) um 
when we are aligned or when we are tapping into that space that somehow it's what universe really wants to happen is actually happening. Whereas I think we kind of get in the way sometimes and make things last longer than they should because we're following a thread. And, you know, I don't know the way to say this without sounding like the law of attraction, but there's a force that uh-huh. you're talking about. Uh, this yeah. feeling of I am and the beingness feels powerful. Life. Yeah. All of life. If I am all of life, Chantal, if there literally isn't a skin bound, I mean, there's a skin boundary apparently, but, you know, quantum physics tells me it's all energy. Well, then all of life suddenly becomes my playground mm-hmm. and is the domain from which energetically that which the mind desires will come forward, will magnetize it. Mm-hmm. I have My job is to know what I want. And it's okay to desire things. I mean, here we go with more spiritual stories about what's right and wrong and what's going to impede us upon becoming enlightened, which we can't become anyway. So, I mean, it's just like, what a joke. It's just like, well, I shouldn't want to desire anything. Well, here's one more limiting spiritual rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, I'm not even going to pursue spirituality if I don't desire it. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Yeah, don't get me started on all the mental rules and, and, and things we use to cripple ourselves. It is fundamentally much easier and much more simple than we make it out to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I <laughs> Which mean, is a blessing. I, I, it is such a blessing, and I appreciate your fresh perspective on it. And, you know, I think that especially, once again, our audience of emerging women, we are collectively, we, there's like a collective ego that is a result of circumstance and history and other beliefs being imposed on us. And so this concept of getting rid of that and tapping into something higher where that does not exist and we can create anew is very appealing for me as an individual, but also when I think of the work that women have to do in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think, you know, knowing that it's there and it's within our reach and that, mm-hmm. you know, I think is very it's inspiring. Totally. And it's within us. I mean, you said that, you know, you use the word we're reaching higher, you know, as a collective women. And and one of the things that I, that I, God, I actually talked about it in my other book, Unearthing Venus, is it's not about higher and it's not about out there. It's already within us. Mm-hmm. It is so deeply within us. And Chantal, I, I spent 25 years chasing out there, getting out there to God, even though I knew that, oh, yeah, well, God is everything, and I am God, and God is the planet, and all that. I, you know, it was a philosophy. I yeah. still yearned to reach higher than who I am, which what does that do to who I am? It says immediately right there that I am lesser than, I am lower, which continues to lock me in the box of limitation. Mm-hmm. So languaging in our perspective is so important, and there's mm-hmm. there's so much that really can be just kind of like whitewashed away and just gone. No, it's all within us. Mm-hmm. Who I am and who you are and everybody in the audience, I is the is. It's all inside and it's all accessible and totally within reach because it is us. There's nowhere to reach. There's nothing to strive out there for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I love it because that's embodiment. And, you know, that's, yeah. where, that's where us women reside is, you know, wow, being in the body and, and embodying these feelings and tapping into those feelings. Those are all our deepest, deepest source of, of liberation and power. 
Yes. One last power practice for us as we're, you know, trying to remind ourselves over and over again that we are not separate. Mm-hmm. What other, like, one that you would do maybe every day or, um, oh, sure. you know, several sure. times a week or something that, that oh, will absolutely. help this? I do this all the time. I call it the high me exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm when I'm out for, I do this usually when I'm out for a walk, and I'll see an eagle fly overhead. There are tons of them where I live in the Pacific Northwest, uh-huh. and it's like, oh my god! In my first reaction to the eagle, or whether it's to that, or a rhododendron bush, or a gorgeous tree in blossom, I'm like, oh my god! You are so beautiful. And then I remind myself, ah, oh, <gasps> I take a breath. I, I am so beautiful. Mm. So. I'll see a sunset, you know, it's like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And then I'll reach my arms out if I'm in a place where I can do it. You know, if I'm in a parking lot or in somebody's backyard at a party, I'm not going to do this, but I'll do it silently. It's like, oh my God, I acknowledge I am the sunset. It is all me. And I pull, pull that into my, my chest energetically and acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing that we can do is, that, you know, God, you're, all right, sitting, waiting for a conference call, sitting at your desk and, you know, it, take a look at your coffee mug and soften your vision. It's actually a martial arts thing called soft eyes. Just soften mm-hmm. your vision so you're not staring at the coffee cup or your computer mm-hmm. or your pen or whatever. And just let the image in. Let the larger sense of the room and your environment in. And your whole vision becomes a little bit more energy-based and softer, and the world just comes in. So in that moment, you know, you've got two minutes to kill before your conference call, just look at your pen, your coffee cup, or whatever, in that soft-eyed, accessible, letting the energy in space. And remember, we are all one. That's only energy. There really isn't any form or boundaries at all between you and that mug. And so those are the kind of simple reminding exercises that we can do on a consistent daily basis that doesn't take, you know, two shakes of a lamb's tail to do, but is that ongoing, yes, this is what's real. This is what's real. And eventually it becomes part of our lives and and the boundaries start to start to dissolve more and more. And you know, it's it's a process. It's definitely a process. Yeah. That's a nice, beautiful exercise, though. Thank you. I felt Absolutely. That in. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was wonderful. Let's spread oh. the good word about the E word. Thank and you, Chantal, so yes. much. Thank you for all f- for the work that you're doing. It's uh, it's wonderful and so needed in these times. Oh, we're all getting so together, needed. And hold hands, and making a change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, take good care. Thank you. Thank Take you, care, Kate. Bye-bye.